Hello, vagrants, and welcome to another dispatch from Zygestation. We've got another fantastic interview to share with you this week. We had the chance to talk with Paul Dutois, the man who made Commander Lazaro such a present on our screens. We recorded this interview prior to episode 10, so if you've not watched that far yet, be warned because there's spoilers aplenty here. We really enjoyed having an in-depth conversation with Paul about what makes Lazaro who he is and what makes this fantastic show Vagrant Queen what it is. And that's just one part of everything we discussed. We hope you enjoy listening to this interview with Paul. Dutrois is a household name on television in South Africa where Vagrant Queen was filmed. His career's taken him through television, film, and theater, but of course, all of you listening to the podcast know him best as Commander Lazaro. Welcome to, Welcome the, podcast. to the podcast, Paul. Hey, Christine. Hey, Bobby. How's it going? It's going great. Oh, it's going great. Good. So we're just going to go ahead and get right into this. Um, we are asking our guests, what is your favorite planet, real or fictional? Well, I have to say, <laughs> boring choice, but um, I have a fantastic view of, of Venus right now in the sky. And the evening star has always been a favorite of mine. So yeah, it would have to be Venus. Good answer. Um, Fantastic answer. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so we've had some questions about the constant blood splatter, mostly my questions. <laughs> um, so you have blood on your face often. How did that yeah. come about and whose idea was it? Well, um, you know, um, Jim um, Garrod um, is the, the showrunner and um, this may have been Mag Visaggio's primal scream, um, but the turning it, the comic book into the, the television show was all, all Jem. And Jem is a pretty bloodthirsty lady. Um, at any possible <laughs> opportunity, yeah. there is blood flying around. I mean, the, you just have to see the, the body count in the last episode. And uh, the episode before Goodness that as well. Gracious. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, which it's kind one? Of, it's kind not? of like living in Cabot <laughs> Cove when you know Jessica Fletcher pulls in. <laughs> you know, bodies are going to start falling. Yeah, definitely. So, how long did you have to film with that makeup on per day, average? Um, it it all sort of depended on what sort of scene you were doing, but you know, generally, you know, you're on set for for at least um, sort of. Uh, 10 to 12 hours every day um so they're long days but um this was just such a fun production to work on man that you know i, I felt like a, a toy you know a kid in a toy store um you know you, you it doesn't feel like work it feels like you're in a big giant space theme park you know, everyone's walking around dressed as aliens and it's cool weapons and blood and you know sometimes the blood's even red often it's all whatever color the alien's blood may be so it was just so much fun that you know the, the time really flew by there was there was 
very, very little twiddling of our thumbs and being bored in this case. Great to hear. And real blood, we hear occasionally. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, there were a couple of little, little injuries. Um, but, you know, we all have to suffer for our art. It's how we of make course. it. <laughs> well said. So along the lines of the, the fun on the job, mm. if you will, what really drew you into the role of Lazaro? And what's been your favorite part of getting to play him? What was just such a joy to play is that most of the other actors spend their time trying to be likable and try and gain the sympathy of the audience, where I just had to sort of not care about that at all. And I just had to be the very embodiment of evil and what everyone hates about the world um, and uh, the universe, which was just yeah, the, the greatest fun. But Jem's script did it with such panache and, and such a twinkle in the eye and such a self-deprecating sense of humor. There was just so much, so much fun to do. But, you know, on a, on a sort of slightly more serious note, if we look at what's going on in the world right now, and being, being a South African, we were shooting in South Africa, we have an incredible history of leaders especially under the guise of being liberators, becoming oppressors. Um, and that is just a story that keeps repeating itself and keeps repeating itself and keeps repeating itself. And we are seeing it right now again. And so th that was something that we, we all really connected with on, on set and were quite aware of. And myself personally, I, I connected with it very, very, very viscerally. And that is, for me, where the brilliance in the script lies. That, yes, it's dressed up as a fun, snarky space opera. But if you look at what's being addressed in that, in that way that, that still lets you have fun, it actually gives you a, a, lot, a lot to think about and a lot to reflect about. Um, and that's what really took the script from what could have just been light entertainment to something far deeper and far, far superior, a far superior product for me. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So in the, in the most recent episode that aired in the United States uh, this past Thursday for us, mm -hmm. we got to see Lazaro's role in that revolution that overthrew yeah. the monarchy. Yeah. So what, what was it like for you to dig into that influential side of Lazaro's history? Um, and then of course we, now we know, his backstory and you kind of yeah. touched on on how it uh leads in how it ties into south african politics yeah well i think it, it's, it's it's not only south african politics um you know that was that was adolf hitler's journey um that was idia min's journey that was robert mugabe's journey that was certainly the journey of of so many south african politicians um but that the the, the the real the real fun part about it for me is that it it may it may be these really um, uh, sort of dark issues being addressed, but 
it's written in such a fun way that, you know, the, the sort of, it, 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 it's like the script tickles you with a razor blade. Um, certainly in, 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 in the sense of, of, of how my part's written, um, which I, I feel really blessed to have done because I, I, I was, most, most of the parts weren't written like that. Most of the parts are, are there for me to chase, and me, me, me to go and be mean too. So I, um, I, I was the guy who got to do all of that, which was just great fun. Yeah. Um, so we also saw a younger teenage Lazaro in some of the flashbacks mm. played brilliantly by Daniel Lasker. How did you yeah. two work together to portray the, the same character? Yeah, it was actually great that we could, we could um, connect beforehand and, um, you know, make, make sure we had, you know, the same sort of vocal rhythms, the same sort of intonation, um, that we could use similar gestures, uh, that, uh, you know, he, we sort of spoke very much about how he, he would use this sort of sulky teenage, um, sort of attitude that could progress into the younger adults that you see, um, in, in me. But what I really like about this backstory is that especially now in episode nine, suddenly for the first time, the audience is almost induced to feel sympathy for Lazaro. Where up until now, they've just, they've just hated him. And now it starts to mess with the audience's head, which is just an absolute delight to play with. I mean, it's a gift to an actor. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'm. I can't even imagine. That's got to be so much fun. Yeah, it was great. Absolutely. <laughs> so you've been in acting for a long while, Paul. So I suppose my question, next question, would be, how has been how has playing Lazaro been different from some of the previous roles that you've played in the past? Yeah, when it comes to performing. I, I approach each character and each pro, um, uh, project completely differently. I don't have a set method or, or your way about uh, way of going about things. Where with this one, because I could see immediately that the script was so thoroughly worked out and so carefully curated. No, this was really not a slapdash action pick. It, it wasn't that at all. It was far more nuanced and far more interesting. And with lots of intertextual references, you could see that this was the work of someone who loves the genre. It was incredibly well researched. And audience members who like sci-fi, who like those, those little Easter eggs dropped all over the place. They can see the nod to um, other, other works that have come before. So um, with this one, my, my way of finding him was to, to sit with a script and sit with a pen and pencil and just read it and read it and read it and make, make these marks and these connections so that, you know, his backstory, because you shoot these things completely out of sequence, of course. So I needed to be very sure of the journey that he goes on because he starts off as this teenager. Okay. That's not me playing him, but you know, Daniel and I certainly spoke about how, how to do that. Then, then you see the young adult 
um, who has left behind privilege to to join a revolution. He's bright-eyed. He 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 wants to change the world. He wants to do the right thing. Then he he, he finds his mission of going after a leader. He still believes in his very core that he is doing the right thing. He he does not see himself as a bad person. Then he gets power. And as we know, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And the, he, he doesn't just sort of literally get power of, you know, position. He, he, he literally gets infinite power. And what do you do with infinite power? And so for me, and, and to what extent does that, that affect you? Yeah. So for me, it was just my job was to be very clear in my head where I was with him and his idealism and to, and where does that corruption come in? Um, so that, that I felt was the main job to, it, it was more, more literary exercise for me as opposed to putting on a character from the outside. It was, it was trying to make sense of where his idealism and the, the warping of that idealism that comes with power exactly where he is on that journey. That was for me the most important thing to, to sort of hang on to. Well, I thought that the, the transition, you, saw, you definitely saw Lazaro's story uh, as he progressed. And, and you're right, he did get a little sympathy, a little tiny nugget of sympathy. Um, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have a couple of fan thoughts and questions for you. That's um, so from Twitter, uh, Katie says, quote, please tell Paul he's brilliant, but as Lazaro, he scares the shit out of me, which <laughs> I know is your job. <laughs> but holy shit, he does it Thank well. Thank you, Katie. That's very kind of you. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, so the question kind of going off that is, uh, we kind of already touched on, but how did you approach playing Lazaro? So, and like, like you said, you did, uh, the, the power. Yeah. Uh, the for, for me, for me, I, I, I often went back to the, the idea of, of Adolf Hitler, where if you look at Hitler's painting, they be sweet, nice, slightly boring watercolors. They, they look like the sort of thing your grandmother would hang on her wall. So even a, even a guy like that who is, you know, is almost synonymous with absolute evil, didn't judge himself as being evil. I mean, there is no doubt in anyone's mind that he was, but he he suffered post-traumatic stress disorder. He um, lived in severe pain. He was. Um, addicted to 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 painkillers, he had very bad teeth. So lived in that world, and so I, I I studied up on just about every kind of death spot there is. But so there are all these things in his past that you can really feel sorry for. It just the result of it was kind of you know, not not yeah you know, we we know not not good, but. You see that in Stalin. You see that in Idi Amin. You you see it in in, in Mugabe as well. Um, so it, it was for me very important as 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 the as the actor never to judge the character. So I never saw him as evil. I never saw him as trying to be evil. Um, I saw him as trying to do the right thing. 
but we know how perverted that got. Right. <laughs> not, not to jump in per se, but I just want to say how wonderful and how refreshing it is to, to see just how much thought you've put into this role. It is wonderful to sing. That's wonderful. Thank you. Um, but it's like I say, if it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. And luckily, I I had a gift of a script and a gift of a character. So I mean, the, the kudos must must go to the creators, the the, the, the showrunner, Jim, and director. I mean, Jim did everything. Um, Mags Zaja, who came up with this idea in the first place, she actually came onto set as well. It was wonderful to meet her. It was like you know. A, a Frankenstein's monster meeting Dr. Frankenstein. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, Thanks for dreaming me up. Did you read the comic? <laughs> yeah. Did you read the comic uh, before you got what, the role? In, in, this one. That's the Absolutely. one. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it, it was uh, obviously, you know, being at the southern tip of Africa here, we, we don't have a, a very big comic culture. So I, I I literally had to import the the, the comic, um, but uh, that was for me an absolute non-negotiable. You know that's the primal scream. That's the that's the 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 seed that 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 grew into the plot. So you know that grew into the tree. I I I obviously had to read that, and and luckily my my youngest child is an absolute sci-fi nut. So there, there I was picking a ten-year-old's brain, going, "All right, okay, explain, explain this stuff to me." And you can see him going, "Oh, okay, boomer, let's unpack it for you." Oh my goodness! So moving back to stuff on set, since we have been talking a bit about that, S. Taylor One Eleven asks if you'd worked before with the actors who played the Admiralty, especially Robin. She says, quote, they played so well off of each other. Robin is one of my oldest, dearest friends. I have known her since the very early 90s. Um, literally, I think Robin and I met, must have been 1993. So, yeah. We've worked together many times. We've we've had a lot of interesting memories together. We've had a lot of good times together. And she's just when when she's in full sail and 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 in the zone and and, and playing these these characters that she can she she has this incredible ability to do really big over the top characters completely believably. Um, she's just an absolute joy to work with, and I mean, all you have to do is listen to her and react, and you're on the money. She's fantastic to work with, and yeah, she's a, she's a great friend. So I'm glad people could pick up on that on that chemistry. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing, um, and we hope maybe one day we can have Robin on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, she, she she'd be a hoot. <laughs> Um, so at Hotness on Twitter asked, uh, what do you think of live tweeting during the episodes and how has it been interacting with fans? I find the feedback from the fans um, just r really encouraging and, and it's, it's, it's fantastic to, to, to get that immediate feedback during the live tweet uh, because that's the strange thing of, about the, of television and film. 
is that you are deprived of audience participation. You know, on set, the, the, the crew has to keep completely quiet. So, you know, when you're on stage, you can feel your audience. You can feel the intake of breath. You can, you can hear applause. You can hear laughter. You can feel the uncomfortable shifting in chairs. And, and it becomes a dialogue now between you and the audience. But when you're, when you're being broadcast, obviously you don't get that. Now, the great thing about live tweeting is suddenly you can feel that. You can, you can see them engaging and, and, and following your story and, um, and, and, and they go on the journey with you, which is just obviously wonderful to be part of. That being said, I'm a complete technophobe and I am useless <laughs> on a device. Absolutely useless. So I said, "That's so fast. I can't keep up with everyone." Nobody can. <laughs> yeah, nobody can. Uh, it's, it's, um, I, again, I had to get my kids to sort of show me how the hashtags work and all of that. I'm, I'm a little bit stupid when it comes to that. Well, well, we'll forgive you. I do have to springboard on. Um, did you, so knowing Tim, um, we kind of. He kind of has an instant fan base over here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Were you prepared for all of the Erpers? I only heard about the phenomenon when I when I got onto set and I immediately went and watched one on Erp and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing!" And then I came across the Erpers, the Erpers. Wow, that is a whole <laughs> bucket of crap all by itself. That. They're amazing. They are so supportive. They are vocal. They are loud. They are in your face, passionate. It's just—it's been wonderful to have them on our side. It's kind of a like a—I feel like I pitched up in the in a, in a football team with all the big guys in my team. You know, <laughs> kind of letting go. Don't worry, we got your back. You guys will be all right. The Earthers are behind you. So they—they've been right, fantastic. Right. I really got to say thank you to them. <laughs> Well, I'm sure they appreciate it. Oh, yep. Yep. On a completely different note, hmm. Artsy Magician wants to know who besides Lazaro, of course, your favorite villain is. Wow. Um, Jeepers, you know, um, if, if, I, if I look at the, you know, obviously the, the, the great greats out there, um, like sort of, you know, what, 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 um, if I had to, if I had to like, choose one, okay. Well, if I, probably Christoph Walsh in, in, um, in glorious Boston, he was just, he managed to, to combine the almost paradoxical element of being, likable and completely terrifying at exactly the same time and with absolute ease. He never felt like he was trying to scare anyone. It was this nice guy asking for a glass of milk while he's waiting to kill someone <laughs> with a big grin on his face and at the same time completely believable. So, uh, 
I mean, that that was for me a genius moment of of, of performance. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it all mm -hmm. depends on the actor to bring it home. So it's yeah. it's, a, it's a sign to to, uh, to kind of watch that. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, Tammy Rodell wants to know if the line "Mothers, am I right?" was a throwaway line, or was it some was there something more uh, into it? Um, now that we have kind of a, a view of Lazaro's upbringing. Um. Yeah, no, there, there is nothing in Jim Garrard's script that is a mistake. Everything there for a very specific reason. And with and an intertextual reference, like a, a reference like that, only its true um, weight only makes sense later on. And it was in um, Elida's uh, hallucination that she saw Lazaro in Isaac's outfit saying, you know, mom, am I right? You know, aren't mom's cool? And of course, only later on the audience find out that, you know, this is a guy that executed his mother. And at that stage, they also believe that he executed a leader's mother. So the, the double entendre in that line is, Definitely intended. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you could pick up on it. <laughs> well, I don't take any of that credit. That was all Tammy. So. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Tammy. Um, so uh, Angie Reads One asks, how much uh, do you think Lazaro was influenced uh, by having an abusive parent? And did he use the revolution to make himself ruler of the galaxy? I think the the abusive uh, parenting is p pivotal in creating who he was. Um, it's that it's that sort of abuse that that which you resist the most persists the most. Um, he if if you were to turn around to Lazaro and say, you've become like your father, he would be absolutely horrified. But we know, you know, this is how human beings behave. The sins of the fathers are revisited on the children. And the, he has that from his father, the, that, that cruelty and that abuse. And with his mother, obviously, that was the one beacon of light and love in his life. And you know the the generals of the republic um, made very sure that that was extinguished and extinguished in the most painful way possible to him. So he is he's extremely damaged goods. Um, and in my head, the only way that I think he knows how to relate to people is through pain. Um, it's kind of like that thing, you know, I'd, I'd rather feel pain than, than nothing at all. I don't think he knows how to feel anything else except pain. And his only way of connecting with people is by hurting them. And he's not doing it because he wants to be mean. That's how he connects with people. So that sort of dysfunctionality caused by parental abuse, 
uh, I think is absolutely pivotal in, in creating the sort of the, the psychosis that he suffers from. Um, what was it like kind of changing gears? Um, what was it like getting to work with the cast and the, and the crew? And do you have a favorite filming experience? Well, the, the, the cast and crew were, were of course, absolutely fantastic. Um, what was what was really nice is that so many of us cast members were really old friends. So, for instance, uh, Grant Swanby, who played my dad, was also a really good mate of mine. Um, and uh, you know, we we've done many projects together, um, both theatre and film. Um, and he's a hell of a nice guy, and we, we so well, there was a lot of trust between us. Um, so we could go to those dark and, and dangerous places because we didn't have to spend a couple of days getting to know each other on set. We we already arrived with a sense of camaraderie, with a sense of knowing each other, with a sense of trust. Um, which th- that's the strange thing about film is often you know, the people that you work with, you only meet that day on the set and finish your scene and then off they go and you never see them again. So where we were able to, you know, just just socializing over a couple of drinks to be able to speak about what it is that we're doing and how we feel these characters must work. And, you know, um, because we made that we could, you know, give each other tips and give each other suggestions and also have the courage to say, um, no, I don't like your idea. I'm not going to go with that. Um, so um, just, just already like that, we were, we were a couple of steps um, ahead into the project by, by, by virtue of the fact that we, that we knew each other. So in, in that sense, it was, it, it was absolutely fantastic. It was like a reunion with a bunch of old friends. It's. I get the sense that it might be a little like uh, Canadian television, with kind of the the same pool of actors that get to yeah. work together often. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. Um, and 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 there there are a lot of advantages to that. I think where we all know each other, we all we all trust each other, and um and and we we can we we can we can believe in the person playing opposite us because we know them so well. And then kind of just going off of that. Uh, on the whole, what's made being part of Vagrant Queen a unique experience for you? I think unique in in the sense that you know I I'd never done it before um, was to be given a character that has a journey that is that significant and has that much change over the ten episodes. You know, he, he really has such a large journey. When I read the script, because when you go to an audition, you often don't really know what it is you're auditioning for. You'll get the sides for the scenes that you're reading for. That's all you've got to go on. So I know when I auditioned, I got that, that scene when he arrives on Zyger Station. And says, greetings, citizens of Zyger. And it, as I know it's highly irregular. And he walks in and he cuts the, um, the manager's hair. I got that and I kind of read and said, wow, this guy's pretty strange. <laughs> um, I don't really know why. And then when I got the full script, I mean, it, 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 it literally is a book that thick. Um, and as I was reading through it, I was 
oh my word, oh, he does what? Oh, no way. And, and the story just kept getting better and better and better. And, and the journey kept um, expanding. Um, and that's for me being a, a first one for me to have a journey that changes, the character changes so much, his demeanor, his, his way of addressing people, it's, um, the growth. Uh, so, so that just personally, fr from, from an acting point of view, has been such, such a gift. That's um, been a first. So I know that's awesome to hear. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I know Vagrant Queen has been a breath of fresh air uh, for queer and people of color fans. Mm. Um, how has being a part of show with such positive representation been for you? I think that's one of the, the big strengths of the show is that it kind of picks up from where a lot of other sci-fi shows have, have, uh, have, have finished and, and taken it further in terms of inclusivity, in terms of, of pushing the envelopes of sexuality, of, of people of color being, being included. Um, and that certainly given, as we spoke about at the beginning of this interview, what's going on in the world right at the moment, it just makes a show like this so much more important that I know because my, 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 my kids love it and I, I watch it with my kids and to see my kids seeing that as completely normal is just so refreshing. They don't see it. It's only us old people that see this as something making a statement. They see it through their fresh eyes and just accept that this is normal. Of course, everyone's included. Of course, um, no one is excluded. Of course, everyone is equal. Why wouldn't they be? And it's just so interesting to hear that truth coming out of their mouth. And it's, it's, it's wonderful that through, through, through entertainment, through, through, the, through the medium of television, we can hopefully play our own small part in bringing about a bigger change that we think, I think we all know the world needs badly. But luckily, we are able to do it in a way that no one, where no one gets hurt. The revolution can happen without pain um, in, 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 our, in our medium. Um, and yeah, I just wish it could be like that all the time. Um, kind of in that same vein, um, the show has a female showrunner, female writers, mm. female directors. Um, mm. What's different about working on a show that employs so many women? I think there is a, um, there's a, there's a certain finesse that, that, that comes with having a female-driven show. Um, there's a there's a certain focus on 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 the humanity of of the characters and of the story. There's um, uh, a 
a gentleness that 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 comes that can be because often the film world can be an old boys club. It can be quite um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it 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 can it can be very when there's a lot of testosterone going around on set. It it, it gets quite base. I think base is the word I'm looking for. Where um, with uh, having having a a, um, a a female showrunner, female director, female scriptwriters, um, female powerful leads, there there's a there's a there's a panache and a and a and a, and a sensitivity that comes to, with the storytelling that I think the story really benefits from. Um, th- things are things are looked at in a more complex manner as opposed to yeah he's the bad guy let's kill him. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's handled with, with more finesse, uh, which I think the, the story only benefits from. Oh, absolutely. The impact of these things really can't be understated. No. no and it's a, what a wonderful way to be able to, to, to make it a difference in the world. Because, you know, we were all having a good, we were enjoying ourselves, and these 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 progressive ideas are being put out there, but so gently and so with so much entertainment behind it um, that it, it's, I think it's that breath of fresh air that the world could really need use right now. For sure. Absolutely. No doubt about that. So of course, as we're, as we're recording this, the end of the Vagrant Queen season is right around the corner. So, of course, vagrants have been fighting for the show with the hashtag Renew Vagrant Queen. What message do you have for the vagrants out there who are fighting so hard for this wonderful show? Well, I I, I think for, for amongst other reasons, for the reasons we've just spoken about, I think the world needs more work like this. Um, not just in the sci-fi um, genre, but in, in, in all genres. Uh, female voices need to be heard. Um, uh, people of color need to be heard. And if we, can, if we can do it with this sort of gentleness and this panache and with have it, with, but at the same time having this much fun and giving this much entertainment, I think we, we all win. So the vagrants out there, keep the fight up, guys. We really appreciate it. And um, we've got your backs, I promise you. And along similar lines, what would you like to see out of a theoretical Vagrant Queen season two? I mean, I, I fell so in love with this character. And... It, it took me a long time to sort of, because you don't want to force the issue, but it was at, 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 um, at one of the lunch times, I went up to Jim and I said, all right, Jim, we, Jim Garrard, our director and showrunner, right, we have to talk. There has to be a season two and I need to be in it. What, 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 what do we have to do? How do we make this happen? This is just so much fun. I, 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 I can't let go of this baby. <laughs> this, this has to come back. So, yeah, um, 
all we can do is keep putting it out there and keep um, stating that this is something we, we think should happen and, and could happen. And um, let's, let's see what comes out on the wash at the end of the day. But it, uh, it would certainly be a very happy day for me when season two is announced. Uh, for us, too. It'll be a happy day for all of us. Um, so we spoke with Tim earlier, and he said that you are quite an avid surfer. Uh, well, <laughs> um, it's, uh, I, I live on the beach. Um, my, 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 my one son is, is also just as um, addicted to the water as I am. Um, we, yeah, we live in the ocean, and it's, it's, uh, it's a... It's a very important source for us. It, it balances us. It, um, it's where we, it's where we go to find God. Um, where we go to, so the demons can stop screaming in our heads. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a wonderful lifestyle. We actually got our water just just as the sun was setting. Now, um, uh, then had to sort of, I had to bring my kids down, let the adrenaline go out, try and get some food in them so they can go to bed and go to school tomorrow. But it's a yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful lifestyle, wonderful life sport that he can keep for the rest of his life, and it's um, certainly something I've carried with me my whole life. I just um, every I travel, I take my surfboard with me, um, and see. I'd like to see the countries I go to from the water, looking back at the land. The interesting, different perspectives you get on most places. That sounds amazing. I absolutely. <laughs> I live in the middle of uh, of the U.S. Um, smack dab i live in minnesota wow um, but we have uh i i live in northern minnesota so we have lake superior not quite the same yeah. however we do have the crazies that will surf in blizzards because the the waves get so big no, i've i've uh, no, i've i've seen these guys you, now that's absolutely nuts i mean you guys have there's, there's, there's <laughs> ice in the water they've got ice icicles hanging off their beards and they go that is just next level crazy um, I, I mean, we have cold water here and I wear wetsuits and we've got, we've got, we've got a bit of a, a shark situation that you've always got to be on the lookout for, but we don't have icebergs to deal with. That's just terrifying. Oh, see, we, no sharks. So we're good. Yeah. Well, well it all balances <laughs> out, doesn't it? <laughs> Yin and yang. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so do you do you have any final thoughts? Any anything that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I think what, what I would like to say is that one thing I, I didn't expect was the engagement from the vagrants. Um, they've been so supportive and this, this wonderful, crazy out there, beautiful energy with which they've received us, and they've been they've been so welcoming. They've been so enthusiastic. Um, they get what it is that the show, the message that the show is trying to bring across of you know just accepting everyone, no matter who they are, no matter what they are, no matter what their beliefs are, their colors, their creeds, their sexual orientation. We're all just part of the same big human race. And to see it reflected in a fan base like that has been uh, one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in my career. So I really would like to say a, uh, an honest big thank you to the vagrants out there. You guys have been absolutely amazing. And without you guys, the journey just wouldn't have been the same. Yeah, well, you, we Erpers 
kind of uh, we we love our actors. So prepare to be followed into your next projects. Fantastic. Thank you, man. <laughs> um, so where can your fans find you on social media? Um, I'm on Insta at uh, uh, Paulie underscore do underscore toi, um, T-O-I-T. Um, on, um, uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Paul underscore do underscore toi again. Um, so well, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. It has been an absolute delight. And we are hoping to see more of Lazaro in season two. Fingers crossed. And toes. <laughs> Everything. Thank <laughs> you very much, Bobby. And thank you, Christine. It's been, this has been great fun. Perfect. Of course. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Until next time, this has been a transmission from another galaxy. Not, Not yours. yours. We are a fan-driven podcast, which means you help us do what we do, so we appreciate any way you can show your support for our work. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. that's X-I-J-A-D-I-S-P-A-T-C-H-P-O-D. There you can find current news about Vagrant Queen, our podcast, and many other things happening in the fandom. You can also support us on a long-term or short-term basis through Patreon. Your subscription there helps us cover expenses for the podcast, whether it's hosting costs or giveaways or anything else that makes us the best fan space it can be. To find us on Patreon and to get more information, just go to patreon.com and search Zyja, X-I-J-A. And of course, as a fan podcast, we want to hear from you, the fans. Our email is vagrantqueenpod at gmail.com. You can send us a text or voice recording, whether it's about what's happening on the episode, your thoughts on the show as a whole, or what we're doing here on the podcast. This is an inclusive space, so send us your comments or feedback and make yourself heard. Finally, Podbean hosts new episodes of our podcasts. That's where you can go to find the latest episodes of our programs and keep up to date on what's happening in our galaxy. We also have transcripts available if you need them. That's at zygestation.podbean.com. Till next time, Zygestation, over and out.